Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Oh, my goodness. We have got another great hour of Talk Radio for you. I am so excited about this show coming up here today. I am joined by Mr. Benny Mathers. Hola. Hey, how's it going? Hola. ¿Qué pasa? Hey, pretty good. Pretty good. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Very good, actually. And Valerie is also paying attention, picking up all the phones, doing our research, and much more. we got a great show, Benny. We do. Great show. We do. We, we do. This is, uh, we, we've got, uh, Robert Brands joining us here today. He is like the chief guru czar of innovation. I can't wait to talk with him. But before we do that, let us set the tone of the show by pulling a card. Woo-hoo! This card is perfect for Robert and the, the show today, Benny. Here it is. You ready? All right. Yeah, I'm all set. Uh, I've got to put on my glasses. Prosperity law number 46, thanks to Heidi Bayer being as innovative of actually leading the pack with developing the Harmony cards back in 1992 to create such a really cool thing she did. It is called My Life Has Purpose and Meaning. That's this card. This mm. is really good. Everything uh, in this incredible universe is perfectly orchestrated and finely tuned. We are all individual parts of a whole, and as such, we are one. There's a master plan. There are no accidents. There is meaning and harmony in everything that happens. And if you are extremely creative, your life will be completely fulfilled. I made that last part up. Just wanted you to know that. (laughs) We've got a great show for everybody today. I want to thank you all for joining us here. Uh, Robert Brands is joining us here today on the show. Now, I'm just going to share a little bit of information about who he is, Benny, but I, I want to, I want to tell you, you're going to hear lots more. Uh, be, beyond being a veteran of companies like DTE, uh, you know, Cole, or president and founder of InnovativeCoach.com, he has gained enormous experience in tapping into innovation to create and improve amazing product developments process and cultural shift. He's also delivered in so many ways what it means to have a new product a year uh, coming to the market. So how is it that this amazing individual, double-digit profitability growth, shareholder value, individual, uh, has come to write a book that is about new rules of innovation? He's joining us here today. We have a lot to talk about, although the topic of the show is called uh, innovation is the key for dealing with the new economy. I will tell you that I think the old ways of doing things are pretty much gone forever. I don't know that we'll go back, but I can't wait to hear from Robert. Robert, thank you. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pat. Hey, Benny. Great to be here. Great to have you here. You know, I, I, I'm going to ask you a two-part question. It's a question that I generally ask everyone, but I'm going to turn it up a little bit for you. One, the question is, you know, I've just briefly mentioned who you are. We're talking about innovation today. So I want to know what some of the challenges were, what some of the obstacles were that you had to overcome in that career that I just referenced. But I also want to know, you know, what is it that you point to 
when people ask you, what is some of the coolest innovations you've personally had? All right. Great, uh, great starter, Pat. Thank you very much. You well, with, with challenges, I would start the biggest challenge, I think, and I've seen it over and over in large and small companies, is really the, the teamwork that is involved. And I actually just wrote a nice blog about what I call the I in team. Everybody says there is no I in team, but actually, if you spell out the word team, the word me is in there and the word made is in there. And I think teamwork is all about individuals who are accountable and have ownership and have passion about a project that they want to see come to fruition. And as a result, sometimes they might come across a little bit more as an I person or what is important to them. But I think without that, it is very difficult to really create sustainable innovation and get effective teams going. So that I think that would be uh, the big challenge. I mean, I've seen that over and over again. Um, the the coolest innovation, the coolest thing I've been involved in, is really in the past 10 years. And I, I bet you that you and all your listeners uh, are uh, familiar with the product that I will describe. But if you think about the instant foaming pumps, like the instant foaming hand soap or yes. the instant foaming soap dispenser in the commercial bathrooms, um, there's been hair care, skin care, body wash, even dish products. Um, I was actually CEO of that company in the last 10 years, and that's really what I based the book on, to really the learnings from the last 10 and 25 years on how you approach uh, a process to create sustainable innovation. And that's really where that all came from. Um, and the reason why, why it was so cool is that it all came off an initial dispenser, a spray device, that you might uh, remember that was the olive dispenser. Uh, the olive dispenser you would pump up and put air pressure in. Um, you yes. can spray it for salad. That was the original air spray product. And from that patent and from that idea, we came up with the, uh, the foam pump. And that really created an incredible growth period from 1998 all the way until 2008 in um, coming out with a product, at least one new product per year. I, I love that you created that. I had no idea that you did that, Robert, because I love the foam soap. I mean, I have all, you know, and there are companies now that are making natural soaps, and that's what they're using Yeah, um, and what's so, what's so cool about that is if you think about the, the soap evolution, bar soap had been existing for generations, uh, for centuries, and uh, in 1970, uh, the smart companies came up with the liquid uh, pump, just out of a, out of a pump liquid soap. Uh, but we realized that the real value in soap was in the foam. That's really what uh, people and consumers wanted. So the value creation was in really in developing a pump that delivered instant foam, and that's why people really really like it. Well, I love that you're on the show, and I I love the book uh, that you've written. And I just want to make sure everybody here, um, you know, knows that uh, if you've tuned in a little late here, uh, Robert Brands is joining us here today. And, you know, the book is Robert's Rules of Innovation. We're going to talk about this. It's a 10-step program for corporate survival. But what I've come to like about it is it's also um, a, a program that I believe every entrepreneur needs to read. And I want to ask you, am I right on track with that? Yeah, absolutely. The point of the book is, I mean, everybody can try and come up with an idea or even have an individual good process to create ideas or create a product to launch, like a new product development process. But true um, sustainable innovation only comes about when you have created a process, um, a, a holistic process. You know the term total quality. This is an approach like total innovation. 
you need these ten imperatives from the inspiration of the CEO or the president or the leader. He or she has to walk the talk, be involved and engaged, all the way down to the end of the net reward, where you really need to recognize and reward your employees and your associates. So it isn't just about idea generation or just about having a good new product development process. It's about ownership, value creation, accountability. So what I describe in Robert's Rules of Innovation are those ten imperatives. And, of course, Robert's Rules is not a tweak or change on my name. It really came off Robert's Rules of Order. Robert's Rules of Order, probably half of your listenership will know what, what that came from, but that was all about how you conduct a formal meeting. I came. It was developed by a, a gentleman called H. M. Robert in 1876. He had uh, had to chair a meeting. It was an absolute disaster. He came out of it and he said never again. And he created Robert's Rules of Order. And it's just like you have to have certain steps and disciplines in place to have a, a useful, uh, actionable meeting. Uh, you need uh, those kind of imperatives in innovation, and hence the title Robert's Rules of Innovation. So would you make a distinction for a lot of people, and this has been sort of a pet peeve of mine during my corporate career, um, this idea that we all have about brainstorming be the, being the creative process, the all be, the all-encompassing brainstorming session. And I wanted to ask you about the difference between innovation and what some people are really pointing to as innovation. Yeah, no, I, and I agree with your um, conclu- conclusion or, or perception that, that brainstorming isn't the only creative solution. Mm. Um, in today's world, uh, without brainstorming, even just asking all your associates can give you the great solutions in tough times. A great example, small uh, uh, woodworking company in South Florida called Hollywood Woodworking that used to make the high-end bars in Ritz-Carlton's, which I'm sure some of you have seen, now, they had tough times in 2009, and they had all those assets and employees, and they didn't know what to do. So they didn't necessarily do a brainstorm. They, they, no, they just, in a form of open innovation, asked all their associates, what can we do with the assets? And they came up with the idea uh, of making church benches, and they ended up making church benches for a while and, and stayed alive. So it's not just brainstorming that will give you your solution. It's more being open and perceptive and asking everybody in the environment from customers to as associates as to what you can do or what you should deliver. You know, this is really a conversation that we're going to have when we come back from break as well. Robert Brand's joining us here today. Uh, everyone has been pretty much, you know, been zooming in on that aha moment, Robert. Uh, we hear it in movies. We see it in movies. And Jerry Maguire, you know, Tom Cruise had the, the memo, you know, the mission statement that he created, which, you know, took him down a certain path. When we come back from break, Robert, what I'd like to talk with you about is the starting point, especially if we're talking about working with groups of people. How do you, as part of a team or an organization, how do you go about looking for that aha moment? And is it possible for people on a corporate team to experience that? Well, Robert Brand's joining us here today. We're going to get to that and much more. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Weight gain may be due to a lack of a brain chemical that can cause one to eat without feeling full. If you reach for the box of ice cream or a high-carbohydrate food to help calm you when you are stressed, you may be deficient in a brain chemical called serotonin. 
It is an emotional relaxant that helps prevent us from becoming overstimulated and irritable during difficult situations. A low level of serotonin can result to emotional burnout and it is the primary cause of depression. Serotonin is produced by an amino acid called tryptophan that is found in oats, mangoes, dried dates, yogurt, eggs, fish, poultry, sunflower, and pumpkin seeds. While a balanced diet including these foods is essential for good health, Sometimes other biological imbalances can cause depletion of this critical brain chemical. Many of these imbalances can be treated effectively with natural therapies. This tip has been brought to you by Dr. Lenny Eidsmore, naturopathic physician at Access Wellness Center. Call today, 425-251-6625 to book your appointment to have a brain chemical assessment. Are you ready for a joyful and successful realty experience? Today's real estate market is challenging, complex, and constantly changing, and is one of the best times in years to buy or sell a home. But you'll need to find the right person to help you on your journey, one who understands the opportunities and will make this the best experience of your life. Kathy Staup is just that person, an experienced real estate agent who knows the pitfalls, can spot the red flags, and guide you to a successful, positive purchase or sale. Kathy Staup can spot the real deals, saving you time chasing a listing only to find it's not available. Known as the positive real estate agent, Kathy will make your next sale or purchase easy, fun, and successful. Start this journey with positive energy. Call Kathy at 206-276-1070. That's 206-276-1070. Or visit PositivePathHome.com. PositivePathHome.com for the most positive realty experience of your life. Are you in constant pain and tired of taking pain pills? At Holistic Medical Center, our physicians listen, examine, and find the root cause of your pain. Comprehensive, non-invasive, scientific, and energy-based natural therapies do exist to treat your pain and its root cause. Contact Holistic Medical Center to transform your life. Call 425-451-0404 or on the web at drdarvish.com. That's D-R-D-A-R-V-I-S-H.com. Are you dealing with a chronic problem and don't know where to turn for help? Ready for a new approach? Without pills, diets, or workouts. For weight loss, stress, anxiety, depression, or whatever else is ailing you, call Access Wellness Center in Renton for real healing naturally. Call 425-251-6625 or online at accesswellnesscenter.com for an appointment today. Take advantage of the free 15-minute consultation and other specials for you and your family. Access Wellness Center in Renton, real healing naturally. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm so glad to have Robert Brands joining us here today. We're going to be talking about innovation in a lot of different ways. Um, this is a conversation I love to have, and the reason I love to have it is because, you know, if I look back at my life, my career, I'm not one of these folks that graduated high school, went to college, got trained about business. I'm one of these people that graduated high school, sold hot dogs, got a job pushing a mail cart, and worked my way up to an executive position. And so, Robert, I'm sharing this because, you know, that's an experience that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. Um, I got to be part of a Fortune 100 company 
that was on the brink of innovation in so many ways, so many things that I saw, so many things that today now we take for granted, like caller ID. And so I wanted to ask you about the broader platform of innovation, but also to talk about how innovation is being enacted or implemented in companies that are making a difference. Yeah, and where I would start first is, to me, um, it is innovate or die. And if you start <laughs> innovating because it is a recession or the end of a recession and you think this is the way out, then that's really the wrong argument because it's not a long-term effort and it should be a long-term effort. And what I would ask you to do is think about a product life cycle, a typical S-curve, which curves up and then it peaks and then it comes down. doesn't matter what service you offer or what product you have, you are somewhere on that curve. And maybe you're doing great on where you are and think that you're on top of the world, but you need to reinvent yourself to be able to put a new curve on top of that and think about any product from the past. A great example is the VHS tape. I can't even find VHS players anymore. If you were in 1970s making VHS tapes, you thought you were on top of the world and you had nothing to worry about. Well, they're long gone. I mean, in the meantime, we've had DVDs and Blu-rays, and now everything's going on to hard drives. So it's just essential for yourself to, to renew yourself. But most importantly is really to think about innovation in a very, very broad sense. And what I mean by that is when we talk about innovation, we typically think about a product, you know, like the iPod or a, a new car or like a, the hybrid or whatever. But I love the philosophy of what's called the 10 types of innovation. And that already indicates how many types there are. But you have to think it from the process type of innovation to offering to delivery and finance. And what, what has been proven is that although uh, companies spend most time and effort in product innovation, the process innovation and other elements have much greater return. Now, you wonder, what, what do we mean by that? What, what is process innovation? A, a good practical example is a typical retail environment, a store. Today, Walmart and Target, if you buy something, take it off the shelf and take it through the checkout, basically that, that scanning and that, that exit procedure triggers the, triggers the repurchase uh, process. They don't send a clerk anymore down the aisle to see what's on the shelf and what the inventory is to reorder. No, that happens by process innovation. It's that kind of stuff you have to think about. And so think about innovation really, really broad so, so it can benefit you. And, in, and, and the reason that that's important is because there are really so many different opportunities for innovation. What's kind of interesting, uh, Robert, and I want to ask you about this, is um, some, someone made a comment to me. And you just actually made a similar comment, but someone said to me, you know, the, the window for innovation in technology is get becoming more and more narrow. I just looked at him and I said, what? So I, I was like, what? And it was kind of like the, the conversation was basically, okay, what are you going to invent? A new app for an iPhone? And I have such a different perspective on that. And you made a comment to me during the break, uh, a quote, and I'd like for you to share that. Yeah, no, and I completely agree with you that people who think like that think very, very narrow-mindedly because there are so many opportunities, and I think every day is an opportunity for us in our regular daily lives, whether privately or at your work, as to how we do things differently. Look at what you experience in another environment or with another product or service. See how you can apply it to make things better, more efficient, more profitable, etc. 
Yeah, the quote I was referring to is that in 1899, the head of the U.S. Patent Office made a statement that he thought that everything that could be invented had already been invented. Well, how wrong could he have been if you think about 1900s and beyond to go from horse and car to car to to rockets to to airplanes and name it? I mean, it, it's just un- unbelievable. But I think I think what is the bigger challenge for somebody who would say that is that I think it is speeding up. I think there's a greater challenge with shorter life cycles of products, so there's even a greater need for in, in, innovation. Um, uh, and I think that intellectual property, so patents and very unique technology, become more and more important for value creation within companies. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the conversation that, um, you know, I wanted to kind of get to here, um, which which are, you know, sort of the, the level of innovation, the different types of innovation you talk about, and, you know, having people get to the place where they can believe, Robert, that they can contribute and be innovative. I mean, you don't, we don't have to create an iPhone to be innovative, so to speak. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. how is it you approach a general population of people or even a corporation so that every idea that, you know, comes to the table, uh, has some merit and, and gets recognized? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and that's so. Where that starts, it goes to the question just before the breaking point. You said, "What what is really the starting point?" And yeah. I think the starting point for any environment, whether it's an organization, a service provider, or a company, is really the inspiration. The inspirational part that all starts with the leadership of any organization or company. And what I mean by that is that he or she really has to walk the talk. And it starts, and I'm, uh, this is very structured, but it really starts with a vision, mission, and strategy that all has to be incorporating the innovation intent because, as you know, the strategy will create then a budget and resources and manpower, and ultimately it will cr- create your measurements on how to track it and, ult- uh, and, and at the end the reward, and the reward system for both the stakeholders as well as for the individual associates. So it starts with inspiration, and a big part of that is defining innovation in an organization because innovation means a lot of different things for different people. And you need to make sure that all the noses, as I say, are aimed and directed in the same direction. So I have got to ask you about this question that uh, Nielsen did, um, uh, excuse me, about the study that Nielsen did. Uh, and I remember the headlines. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try to bring it up here. It said, uh, Nielsen says, uh, a secret to successful new product innovation, keep the boss out of it. And I just thought, wow, really? How do you go about that? And apparently they did a study on this. Uh, and they talk about the billions of dollars that are spent developing and launching these new products, new consumer products, right? right? But their comment is, okay, keep keep the big bosses out of it. And I want to ask you how realistic that is. Well, uh, it's great that you raised this. I wrote two weeks ago uh, a blog on my website, innovationcoach.com, exactly about this study and my reaction, and I I disagreed, irregardless (laughs) of the fact that this was a study. I think what they did is they misinterpreted it. I agree with the premise that you 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 want to create the space for the teams to be able to operate independently and be creative and deliver the maximum innovation and creativity. What was misinterpreted, I think, is that you do need the CEO who has to be the chief innovation officer in the organization, um, and that has to happen first because that's all part of the inspiration part, and that will create the means, etc. 
But what I think they meant, and I intended to say, is the people in between, really, the, the senior vice presidents, directors, etc., who have a full plate, who have their objectives, and who are driving their functional silos, they, they, I would suggest, to keep a little bit out of the process. But the managers that are and the associates that are really doing the work need to be given some, some room and, and independency. So I don't think they were intended to say from the absolute top down, but the middle uh, uh, section, yeah, let, let the new product development teams do what they do best. And actually, let me real quickly give you a good example. One of the best Perfect. methodologies of um, successful innovation is what's called innovation tournaments, or, or they are really uh, business competitions. And um, and they're no different than um, any of these TV shows that you see with all kind of different talent that are trying to be the best. But what they do is they train the managers and the associates to um, how you develop the product, what skills they need to have, how you present to the executive team, etc. And they compete with each other for the best uh, concept and then get uh, sources and support to have it uh, executed. So um, I think if you use that, uh, the bosses in between can let the process go and you, you will get the maximum return. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Robert, I want to make sure everybody's got their website. I'm sending everybody to robertsrulesofinnovation.com. And the reason that I, I want you all to go check it out, because first of all, it's a really it's just a ton of information, but you know Robert has a, a, a blog on there, and you'll be able to take a look at that information about his book. And I really encourage people that are are entrepreneurs, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're in the corporate world, this is a really good book, and we'll talk a little bit about why that is when we come back from break. Um, the other thing that I want to mention to everyone is that there's a lot of information on this website, uh, videos of Roberts on here, lots of, of things for you to find out about, uh, and a great way for you to reach back out and contact Robert and his organization. When we come back, we're going to be talking about something that, you know, has been a real dilemma for me and a lot of other people that have been managers and that is are we asking our managers for inspiration or are we asking our managers for perspiration and yep that's it inspiration versus perspiration stay tuned we'll be right back with the dr pat show and my very special guest really cool guy robert brands Ready to manifest your heart's desire? Want to know the secret to navigating life's in-between times with confidence and skill? Ready, Set, Manifest with Life Coach Debbie Lacey offers real tools to coach yourself through the in-betweens and leaps in life. Say goodbye to being stuck and hello to Ready, Set, Manifest. Visit theinspiredcoach.com and join the next Ready, Set, Manifest telegathering. You're not lost. You're getting ready. Visit theinspiredcoach.com. Hi, my name's Brian Barton. For 31 years, I was a professional pilot, and I lost my career to my obesity. I found the Take Shape for Life program, and in the last 18 months, I've lost 197 pounds. I know what it feels like to be desperate, and I also know what it feels like to succeed. That's 197 pounds of weight loss success with the Take Shape for Life program. Lose the weight and rediscover life. Visit simpletolose.com to learn more. Results will vary. Consult a physician before beginning weight loss program. Call or go online for complete program and discount details. How would you like increased health and vitality? Would you like relief from acute or chronic health issues? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? 
Would you like relief from allergy, weight, and digestive issues? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural technique. Whether you seek relief from health issues or desire to live at your optimum health and vitality, contact reflex analysis is a profound method which detects imbalances at a subclinical level, restoring health issues before they arise while increasing vitality and longevity. Discover CRA. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Every day we're moving toward wellness or away from wellness. I'd like to be your partner in achieving your optimal health and well-being. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Now is the perfect time to learn Tai Chi and Qi Gong. These ancient Chinese healing arts, also called mind-body practice, are simple to learn, clinically proven to be effective, and can be practiced by anyone, anywhere, at any time. For 10 years, the Institute of Integral Qi Gong and Tai Chi has been a respected leader in mind-body practice training. Visit iiqtc.org. Empower yourself, empower others. Visit iiqtc.org for more information on my body practice. iiqtc.org. E-Cloth, the only cleaning solution you'll ever need. E-Cloth's fiber function does the cleaning, not a chemical reaction. Also, no paper towels or chemicals to buy, so you'll save lots of money. And E-Cloths are guaranteed to thoroughly clean for years. The whole time, safer for you, your family, the environment, and saving you lots of money. As a Dr. Pat Show listener, get 20% off everything you order and free shipping. Go to ecloth.com and when checking out, enter Dr. Pat. You'll never go back to cleaning any other way. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by. Hey, for more information about us and if you've missed any part of this today, uh, Benny and Valerie do a great job putting these archives up there right quick. And you can go to drpatlive.com later on today and, you know, capture everything that uh, Robert Brands and, and I are talking about today. If you want to find out more about Robert, if you want to get a copy of the book, um, certainly you can go to his website and, and do that. And actually, there are a couple of places that you can go, and I just want to make sure we get them. Robert, what's the best place uh, for people to go to find out more about you? Should, should we go to uh, robertsrulesofinnovation.com? Yeah, robertsrulesofinnovation.com really gives you a good overview of the, the 10 imperatives on how to create and sustain innovation. It is full of tips on how to do it and, and the definitions. And then I, I add by nearly every other week a blog to go further in depth on each of these 10. And then linked with it is innovationcoach.com, which I call sort of a gateway to innovation where I help people with evaluate, improve, and deliver innovation. But that's also full of um, articles and, and audit uh, tools, et cetera. Great. Uh, Robert, you know, thank you for joining me here today. There are certainly, you could tell that I know that this is a topic you're really passionate about, and uh, I know I am as well. Uh, before the break, I mentioned, you know, what some people will call opposite ends of a continuum, this idea of perspiration, which in the workplace, which means I work hard, I work extra hours, I probably work on weekends, and you get the idea of that, right? Yep. 
And then there's this other thing people call inspiration. And a lot of times we take folks and categorize them as, wow, you're a really hard worker. And then there's the other person, you're a really great cheerleader, so to speak. So I want to ask you about what each of these, what role each of these plays in innovation and how do they work together? Yeah, that, 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 that's a great question because it's all about the culture of the company and the culture of innovation. And as I said in the earlier segment, it's absolutely imperative that the, the chief, uh, chief executive is really the cheerleader first and foremost uh, and the chief innovation officer. But when it comes down to the grind of the work and the detail where the pers- pers- uh, perspiration comes uh, up, is really when you need to deal with ownership and accountability in how you lead and motivate teams. And I, I'm a big advocate of the term champion. I really think it's important that you find the right champion with every project, somebody who is passionate about the initiative, who believes in it, who has uh, clearly accountability and ownership, who has some say within the company so he can pull some strings and get some things done, because ultimately, innovation is all about creativity times risk-taking. And, and knowing that, you know that if you just let a team by itself without leader, uh, leaders and without a rudder uh, try to get things accomplished, it is very difficult, if not impossible, because the natural um, uh, behavior of a team is typically uh, gets controlled by what I call the antibodies, people who say why we shouldn't and can't. And that's why I'm really uh, push and advocate the use of, of champions. You know, you mentioned something that is so important, and I want to talk about this for a minute. Um, the idea of champions uh, um, is a very important one. And I want to get your definition. How do you define a champion? Uh, that That's a good one. I think for me, a, a champion is uh, really a, 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 a natural leader because you, can, you can't just appoint a champion without certain uh, certain skills. But uh, the, the champion has, to, as I said earlier, has to have a good feel for the organization and have to be has to be an influencer. But more importantly, he has to be a, a, a passionate person, a passionate person about the, the project, the product that you're trying to, to pull off. Because ultimately, it's all goal-driven, and you're really trying to, to, to deliver the objectives for the, for the company or the, or the organization. And, and it's an, uh, important that, that you get the right persons, uh, the right champions to, to lead that effort. You know, let's just talk about something that you also said, which is really kind of a, a place that, uh, you know, a lot of the work that I've done in corporation really lives at, and this idea of taking risks, because you did say that that is really important to the innovation process, right? Yeah, I, I call okay. it, uh, for me, it's rule number two. It's no risk, no innovation. As I said, innovation is creativity times risk-taking. And if you look at the star organizations today, like an IBM, mm-hmm. their mantra was double your failure rate to increase your success rate. It just means you have to try over and over again. A, a gentleman I greatly admire, obviously, Thomas Edison, I mean, he, it took him thousands of time to create the light bulb, and he didn't say he failed. No, he, he learned many times how not to do it, and that's just a philosophy. But most importantly, actually, is the way you handle failure in an organization, because if you start an innovation initiative in the organization and you have teams starting and some will fail, or you think that you fail because the product or service did not come to fruition, because maybe the technology didn't exist yet, or the, you didn't hit the cost that wasn't possible, is most important 
how you then handle that. And it's really important then to look at the learnings and use those as opposed to uh, punishing a team or making an example of how it not sh- should not be done. Um, and there's some great examples in, 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 in practical industry how that was handled and how people really come out even bigger and better by doing it right. So, and then, so what I want to ask you about in, in that, in that realm is that, uh, and I've just picked up a study recently and, uh, about, uh, different levels of anxiety and fear in organizations right now. Um, in all school terms, Robert, I mean, the construct was called job insecurity. I mean, that was the official term. Now I'm not sure what people are calling it. But it, but it, it plays, you know, it, it, it's, it's really a zap factor, so to speak. When you have a team of people and you're so wanting and needing to innovate or die and people are literally afraid to speak or to have their voice being heard. Now, I'm not saying this is widespread, but it certainly is a phenomenon. I want to know what your experience has been with that. Yeah, that's a really tough one because that's, again, the total culture of the the company or the organization. And um, I've always uh, had a philosophy of, first of all, an open-door policy, but really letting people uh, be very open on their feelings. But in today's environment where people are just afraid uh, because they go from paycheck to paycheck or just hoping to hold on to their job, I think creativity and innovation is even more important. If you can bring in an idea to your boss and let him or her look great, or bring in an idea that can help the company do do better or do something more efficient because you were, were the customer for a change in experience to what you deliver, um, you can add a great amount of value. So I really want to try and stimulate uh, people sharing their thoughts. There's a real neat way, for instance, you talked earlier about brainstorming, and mm-hmm. I, I'm a real advocate of a, te- te- a technique called brain writing, and it's sort of a silent brainstorm. You uh, you sit around the table with seven people or a small team. You all write a concept or an idea on paper, and, uh, and it, this is in the same company environment, and you slide it to your neighbor without saying anything or explaining anything, and they build on it. And you go full circle, and then you talk about the concepts. So everybody has seen them, everybody has thought about them, and now you go and try and find out what the best idea is to take forward. So that's a great way for people who are quiet, who are not extroverts, to voice an opinion, to provide an idea, to put something to paper, and try and capture it in going forward. The risk is very low, but the reward is tremendous. And that's one of the techniques I use nearly every time when I do a a, a workshop or or facilitate people to, to come up with the next ideas. Uh, you, you know, Robert, one of the things that you do talk about in the book and you really kind of have us think about quite a bit, uh, is this idea of rewarding employees. And I want to talk about this for a minute. Um, there have been many studies done about rewards and, uh, and, and you know this, of course, in the academic arena as well in terms of motivation and pay. And, and so I want to ask you, what sort of innovations have you seen in the reward processes? that, you know, companies have implemented. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? We went yeah. from, oh, yeah, I'm going to get an extra 10 grand this year in my base pay to, no, everybody's going to get an iPod. Right, right. And and uh, this, this, uh, this, we could just talk an hour about this just yes. long. <laughs> because, you know, there's so many ways to motivate people the right way. First of all, the small 
trinkets or gifts or incentives do work very well. If you would give an iPod to the best idea of the week to a, a board that you put near the coffee table or the, the, the coffee pot and you have a problem to solve, those are great motivators. Ultimately, money, of course, works because that's nice. But McKinsey actually issued a study result in November of last year where they said the non-monetary rewards are much stronger and better. And they, by those, they meant either leading a team, having face time with the boss or the, the CEO, um, uh, or really getting the recognition was rated much higher and greater than, than any monetary reward. Now, I still would argue that monetary is important uh, and helps, but um, I think that the non-monetary is, is absolutely key. But And the recognition, the recognition in front of peers at a monthly meeting or at the annual uh, conference is absolutely essential to keep, meeting, keep people motivated and, and excited. Well, you know, because we're talking about, especially open recognition, we're talking about how the rules of career have changed. And, you know, it's a little bit different now with there not being as many levels in organizations. And some people believe that you have to be very innovative on how to motivate and inspire people to take their expertise to the next level. When we come back, we'll be talking with Robert a bit more about things you might be able to do in your life today to start that innovation. Let's just call it that spark, that thing that could help you, whether it's being innovative. And by the way, can we use these these fabulous, fabulous ideas from Robert in our own family, in our own lives? Well, yep, we're going to talk about that and much more. We'll be right back with the show. For pet parents who value quality natural nutrition, Wellness Natural Food for Dogs and Cats offers an ideal nutritional balance of carefully chosen, authentic ingredients in every recipe. True wellness means every ingredient has a purpose, and you can trust the quality of all the ingredients in wellness from their source to your pet's bowl. To learn more about the difference Wellness Pet Food can make and to locate a pet specialty retailer near you, go to wellnesspetfood.com. That's wellnesspetfood.com. Wellness Natural Food for Pets. This is where true wellness begins. Are you taking Taking too many oral pain pills and concerned about side effects? Are you having trouble getting to sleep because of the pain? Well, I'm Lou Paradise. I had the same problems you have. Cured my pain, eliminated pain pills and their side effects by developing Topperson Pain Relief and Healing Cream. Topperson relieves pain without side effects. It doesn't burn, it doesn't smell, and it doesn't stain. But don't just take my word for it. Doctors, pharmacists, and pain specialists are using and recommending Topperson and ending the suffering for thousands of people just like you. We know you're hurt. We want to help. We're so sure Topperson will work for you, we offer a money-back guarantee. So if you want pain relief with no side effects, ask for Topperson or call 1-800-959-1007. That's 1-800-959-1007. Topperson, the last pain medicine you'll ever need, and you can sleep on that. Unlock your divine power and become the true master of your life with visionary clairvoyant Terry O'Connor every Monday at 10 a.m. on The Dr. Pat Show. Using her extraordinary connection with spirit, Terry can energetically view your true inner blueprint and guide you to your soul's highest purpose. Explore your personal connection to your authentic self and let your spirit soar as it was truly meant to. That's The Carrie O'Connor Show, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern on The Dr. Pat Show. I'm Dr. Pat Basile, the host of The Dr. Pat Show. Talk 
Radio to Thrive By. Let me help you take your empowering message to a community of people looking for products and services that value all life on earth and tap into the one true freedom we have, the freedom to choose. Let our listeners choose you. Join the buzz and be the buzz. Sponsor the Dr. Pat Show. Call me at 206-523-5522. That's 206-523-5522. Invest in your life. Indigo Fusion Spa and Gallery. Offering regular meditation classes, spiritually conscious art, holistic healing services, and classes in spiritual development and holistic wellness. This unique spa is located in Seattle's University District. For more information, visit us online at www.indigofusionsg.com. That's indigofusionsg.com. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by. I guess everybody can tell by now that this is a really uh, important topic for me. I've been on both ends of this, Robert. I've been on teams that have been amazingly inspirational and create some amazing things and teams that really struggled to work together to innovate. And, and really, these were both situations of innovation and die, innovate or die. And so I did want to get back to the conversation about rewards and also talk about a broader sense of how the rules might apply to our everyday lives. Let's start with the awards uh, uh, part of this and finish up there. Um, I think that this is a whole new learning for managers uh, at all levels on how to actually reward people and how well are we doing with that? Yeah, and let me first start with uh, one of the number the number nine imperative, which is called observe and measure. So it's really important to have a real good system in place to have what I call leading and lagging indicators of of how you do in your new product development, whether it's and and your your innovation. So how whether it's the amount of hours spent or ideas generated, or actual products launched or services launched. That's important to keep track of and keep people accountable to. So ultimately, that leads then to the reward system. And um, you were asking for an example on, on one, some of the neat things that I've seen around. But I actually have been a, a big advocate of something that I used to use at Airspray, the company that created those instant foam pumps with our sales force and actually with our R&D folks, the, the researchers and engineers, where we rewarded them a small percentage of the sales of the new products. And think about that. What is really cool about that is that, first of all, when you are being incentivized financially by the positive results of an introduction, you're going to think a hell of a lot harder what it all should do and what it should deliver and what price it needs to be delivered to be make it a success. Secondly, people will really stay on top of it once it's introduced. So they will not just let it go from engineering to manufacturing, say, I washed my hands and off it goes. No, they stay engaged and they stay interested and concerned. Um, so it really is a is a good long-term driver. And to companies who say, well, I can't afford that, that's nonsense because you, there, this is new product sales that you didn't have yet. So if you give a small percentage to in the reward system to reward all of those involved, you still will get 95 or 97% of the benefit and the ultimate profit of, of the product or service. So that, that's really one of the, the better ways to, to, to incentivize folks on, on innovation. 
Yeah, you know, and I want to ask you this question. Thank you so much, Robert, for joining us here today. I wanted to ask you what you believe uh, is or are some of the most important lessons that managers need to learn. And what I mean by that, not necessarily lessons, but perhaps competencies that uh, are required to have the kind of innovation that will create breakthrough results. Yeah, I think an important thing is there's two processes that are involved. One is, of course, the ideation process, and the other one is the new product development process. Those processes really have to be well-embedded, established. People have to be trained on it and needs to be embedded. And uh, most importantly, really, there is the ideation process where you don't do ideation sessions and brainstorming the moment where your sales is lacking or you, you are in trouble financially. It should be done on a regular, very structured basis. Once you have the ideas, it needs to be really ranked against parameters that everybody agrees that you should measure against, maybe sales potential or newness or patentability. You rank them and you start delivering those. So that is really important. And then around that come all the other elements, you know, like the ownership, the value creation, the accountability, training and coaching, et cetera. So as I said before, it's important that you look at this in a holistic way, a total approach, as opposed to just having a, a specific uh, uh, process. So, you know, we've we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, innovation and what we can do. I wanted to ask you, you know, almost like the do's and don'ts list. What are some of the things that you've seen over your life experience that really get in the way of, of teams and individuals truly be innovative and creating the results they want? Yeah, um, I would say, first of all, uh, the, when, if and when you brainstorm, and you'll brainstorm one way or another somehow during the process, make sure you do it in the right way. means quick, actionable brainstorms with no feedback and no negative feedback. I've, I've heard and seen great ideas killed really when they were just born, basically, um, and, and most importantly is get input from your customers and clients, and when you sit there often with your salespeople to listen to what the issues are and what needs to be resolved, let the customer or the potential user talk. Don't cut them off when you think you have the answer already or you think what they're saying. Let them talk, let them talk, let them talk so you really understand it and maybe try and use it. But So the, the biggest point there would be um, be open, be open, and create this idea database that I advocate called an idea hopper where you really capture everything so that when the technology is there and the possibilities are possible, you can create it. great example is the movie Avatar. As you know, that movie was developed 10 years before the technology was present to actually make the movie. So, you know, they had a hopper of things they would like to do, and although the technology hadn't caught up yet. so But that's really, really important. Because sometimes, and, yeah, sometimes you're in the middle of developing something and you can't get the cost or the product done, but it might happen a year later because something else was added. Well, I love what you're talking about. And, you know, it really what we're saying and what you're referring to really really, really applies to all of us. Uh, you know, and, and part of this, too, is something you talked about on your blog, and that is ownership. And I think it's a great way to end today's show. Ownership, responsibility, and accountability. And a lot of times we don't get that word responsibility, accountability in the same sentence as innovation. And I wanted to ask you about that and, and what that really means in this context. Yeah. For me, um, 
Accountability is, to me, the innovation foundation. If there's no accountability, there is no innovation. And I think it's actually bigger than that. It's actually in a culture is if there is no accountability, I don't think how you survive in an organization or, or, or a, a company. I mean, if people, if you meet on a monthly basis and people say, this is what we're going to do and it doesn't happen a month later, you lost incredible time and, and you lost basically the respect of the group. So those are difficult things to, to resolve. The best way to resolve it actually is to create smaller steps that are being verified in the period in between before the big step is due. The, the other one you talked about is ownership. And ownership is really key to make it all happen. Um, and I think the ownership there obviously comes again with the individuals uh, really uh, being passionate about the, the service and the product that they pr- pr- provide and thinking along, you know. Um, don't be the nine-to-fiver who drives home and doesn't think about it anymore. You always continue to think about things and see what you see happening or use or experience elsewhere that you could apply within your own company or service or individual life so you can make it better. And, and that's, that's really what it's all about. Robert, thank you so much for joining us here today on the show. Um, you certainly have given us lots and lots and lots to think about. And I wanted to ask you, do you have a personal message for everyone today? Um, I would say it, I call it innovate and thrive, because if you don't innovate, as I said earlier in the show, ultimately any service or product will, will, will die and I think if you innovate, you will thrive and think about innovation really, really broadly and follow your passion. Because if you follow your passion, you, you will do the right things. I love it. Thank you, Robert Brands, everybody. I want to make sure that uh, if you've missed any part of this show, definitely it'll be up for you. Go to robertsrulesofinnovation.com. That's the website. Lots of information. And, Robert, the book's available just about everywhere, right? Absolutely. Excellent. Robert, thank you so much. I know that we touched on quite a bit today. And thank you for really creating a platform for all of us to look at and thrive. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Pat and Benny, for for having me today. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Wow. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. I mean, um, I love what Robert has put together. There's a lot of things that he talked about that are so applicable to every part of our lives. I want to thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. And I want to thank you, Benny, for doing what you do and Valerie for doing what she does. It's our pleasure, Pat. It's our pleasure. Good job, as usual. Until next time, everybody, we'll see you right back here on the Dr. Pat Show. Don't forget, tonight, we've got a great show on bbsradio.com. At 6 o'clock, we're going to be doing lots of readings. All right, see you then. Bye. Bye.